Hey everyone, welcome back to What Can You Do? For those of you who are new here, I'm Skylar, I'm a student and activist at UC Berkeley, and on this podcast I interview youth activists both within and beyond the California Bay Area community to highlight the exceptional and important work performed by young people, as well as the impacts that they have on our communities. To be honest, the conversations I have with some of these people are one of the few comforts and silver linings I see among a year that, to put it mildly, has been kind of a disaster. But for all of the terrible and unprecedented things that have happened, whether it's the pandemic, wildfires, police brutality, economic upheaval, or what have you, young people aren't letting it slow them down. If anything, this year has only encouraged the next generation of leaders to become more engaged, more politically active, and more outspoken about what they want their future to look like. And that, if nothing else, makes me feel more optimistic about what we can all accomplish going forward together. Further, this explosion of activism within this year has also shed light on youth who have already been doing activism work in education for a long time. And this brings me to my interview today with Mina and Zina Nasri. Mina and Zina are sisters and high school students from Michigan who founded a nonprofit organization called Girls of the Crescent, which works to collect books with female Muslim main characters before donating them to schools and libraries in order to increase diversity and representation in literature that students have access to. We talk about where the inspiration for their organization came from, why culturally relevant role models in diverse storytelling and fiction is important, and how minority representation in literature and other forms of media can combat negative stereotypes which lead to Islamophobia and other xenophobic rhetorics. So, here are Mina and Zina, and I hope you enjoy our conversation. So just to get started, um, I think it's really important to highlight the fact that activists are also people and to, you know, humanize you guys. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about like who you are as like individuals and as students as well as activists. I'm Zina Nasri. I am a senior at Adams High School. Um, one of the things I really like to do is read. Um, I love, love reading. I like fantasy. I like romance, you know, whatever it is. Um, I also have a cat, his name is Max. He's eight years old and he is my favorite thing in the whole entire world. Um, I do robotics and theater and I also love hanging out with Mina, my sister, obviously. Nice, I also have a cat, go cats. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, um, my name is Mina Nasri. I am a junior at Adams High School in Rochester Hills, Michigan. Um, my favorite classes in school are science and math classes and I love being part of the robotics school. I love everything art or like creative. Um, I like to draw and paint and I also really like to read. I like all genres of um, books and it's just really fun. Awesome. Um, so to follow up, thanks for introducing yourselves. Um, I wanted to ask just for fun since you guys both love to read, um, both what are some of your favorite books and do you have any favorite book recommendations off the list listed on your website? Um, we both love The Lines We Cross by Renda Abdel Fattah, which is one of the books um, off of our list. I'm also a huge Malcolm X fan and the autobiography mm. of Malcolm X is one of my absolute favorite books of all time. And I will read it like a million times over and I will never get sick of it. Awesome. What about you, Mina? Um, my favorite book ever is Dune by Frank Herbert. And my favorite book from our list of books would probably be the Miss Marvel comics by Jane uh -huh. Williamson. It's really cool seeing a, Muslim, a female Muslim superhero in the Marvel universe. Wow, that's I've never heard of that. That's awesome. When is that like a recent adaptation? Um, the, they're making a TV show like soon, but the comics have been out for a while. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, well, thanks for telling. Um, 
for the introduction part, like how do you guys view yourselves as activists? Like whether it's on an individual level or like within your community or the greater like community of Muslim women, like how do you um, visualize your role as activists? Yeah, so um, one of the things that I have always noticed within the activist communities, especially among young people, um, everything seems almost like too difficult and it's mostly dominated by adults. So I feel like my position as an activist is to inspire other students um, to get involved. And that's kind of my goal. Definitely. Yeah, I would like to add on, because I was going to say a similar thing about how like, I'm still young and I'm still learning a lot of things, but I'm just trying to um, just kind of like grow in the activism community and like learn as much as I can and hopefully influence like my friends and stuff to get more involved and just like make as much of an impact as I can in this community, even though it's like not the biggest impact, but I'm just, you have to start somewhere. I mean, I wouldn't discount your impact. I think based on what I read on your website alone, it's pretty significant, but I love that you both point out the fact that like specifically being youth activists, because that's part of what inspired me to want to interview people like you is because I think that even from my perspective as a younger person, um, when I was in high school and now it seemed it's like activism is something like a really difficult, not a hurdle, but something it feels almost too big to take on as an individual person, especially when you're just trying to like figure out your identity, who you are, where you're going in life. So I think that uh, showing stories like yours is really important. So thank you for joining me. Um, to move on to the organization itself, Girls of the Crescent mm -hmm. and the mission, um, I just wanted to get a sense of what led to the creation of Girls of the Crescent, like what originally inspired you to found this organization. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so when we were in fourth grade, uh, we got assigned a school research project where we had to research about an important historical figure. And we were required to have a book as one of our resources, like when we were doing the research. So we went into our local public library and both Zina and I wanted to do the project on like an inspirational Muslim woman from history because um, our mom would always tell us stories about them. They were really inspiring since we can relate. Um, so we went to our local public library and they didn't have any books about them, like about, there were no books about any Muslim women. So we had to end up like changing who we did the research project on. And even though we were in fourth grade, like that was kind of the first time we realized that there was a lack of representation and diversity in the books we had access to. And so, yeah, that was kind of where the idea sparked from. Yeah, and then about um, almost over two years ago, I believe we read The Lines We Crossed by Renda Abdel Fateh. And that was the first book we read with a female Muslim main character. And it kind of brought us back to that moment in fourth grade where we hadn't seen any books with female Muslim main characters. And we realized that this was like a very widespread problem that was still continuing, even as we were entering our young adult years. And um, we really wanted to do something about it, which is what inspired us to start the project. And how did it make you feel as young people, um, young people meaning fourth graders, when you went <laughs> to the library and you couldn't find that. Um, and then conversely, when you finally did have that experience in reading that book, what was the opposite side of that feeling? Uh, yeah, so we were both like, and we still are really avid readers. And so just like seeing all the characters just not be Muslim or not be Middle Eastern or people that we couldn't relate to was a little hard for us, especially since we were basically like the only Muslims so in a community where there wasn't much, there weren't many people we could relate to, even in like the literary world, we couldn't relate to any of the characters. It was just like a little hard and alienating. And it, yeah, so we decided to hopefully change that through the project that we're doing. 
Yeah, and when we read The Lines We Cross, even just the small stuff, like the main character's name was Mina, and that was the first time that Mina had seen her name in a book, even just that and the food that she ate, the fact that she went to the mosque, just the small details that weren't even big and important to the plot, those those impacted us um, because we could relate to them and we could see ourselves in the character. Yeah, like seeing your life, your traditions, the the way that you go through every day kind of reflected in the pages, for sure. Yeah. Um, that's amazing. And based on that and the feeling behind your um, motivation, how would you summarize like the mission of the org um, to like, I, we understand how it's important to you as individuals. And then how would you want this to impact the greater Muslim community and the community at large, like informing them on Muslim stories? Yeah. So those are two big parts in our mission is impacting young Muslim girls um, and also impacting people who aren't Muslim. Um, so when, a Muslim girl reads about herself in a book, that can be maybe the first time she has experienced that kind of representation and it can make her feel like she belongs in the world. And then on the other hand, a non-Muslim person reading a book with Muslim characters, they can um, they can see a different perspective that they aren't used to and that isn't portrayed very often in media. And so we wanna be able to affect both groups of people. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think that that aspect of it is sometimes what's, like lost on people who resist this sort of like narrative change. It's like, it's not just about, um, it's about equity in storytelling, but also like foregrounding that there are different lived experiences. So I think that that part of your mission is really important um, in educating other people about different cultures. And so, yeah, I guess this is a kind of a follow-up question to that. I asked, why is diverse storytelling important in closing gaps in equity and representation, both in the literary world, which we've just discussed, but also like in the quote-unquote real world, if you will? Uh, yeah, so books have like a really big impact on how children like grow up. And if they're big like readers, books have a lot of influence on them. And so like Zena and I have experienced uh, like negative comments and negative stereotypes, you know, for being Muslim women. And so like these children um, were exposed to some Muslim characters, like female Muslim characters in a book. It will just kind of get rid of, or hopefully get rid of some of those stereotypes and just kind of make them more aware that like there are other people with different lives and like cultures and traditions and just kind of bring more awareness to um, the differences, but like also similarities of everyone. Right. And speaking of like the books themselves, um, I was just curious about how the donation system works, um, like logistically. Um, so like where you get the books, how you decide which schools and libraries they go to. So we usually um, get books either through fundraisers where we receive money or a lot of the times the authors of the books themselves will send the books to us, which is wow. amazing. And we are so grateful for that. Mm -hmm. um, and then we will reach out to schools or libraries, or sometimes they will reach out to us, ask for a donation, and then they'll tell us the specifics of their school, like how many classrooms, or if they want to donate, donate it to the general library. And then we just go about collecting the books and dropping them off. And it's actually really simple and easy, and it's really great being able to meet the librarians and teachers that we're impacting. Awesome. And how did you this network, it seems like you have a pretty broad reach in terms of people who know about your organization. Oh, I hear a cat. <laughs> um, people who are aware and like reach out to you. So how do you, how did you go about building this network and kind of establishing yourselves? Um, yeah. So first when we like started off, we 
obviously didn't know much about like running a nonprofit organization, but we've had like friends and our parents' friends um, help us out with that. And we started off by like working in just in our school district. So we talked to the PTA um, of like our school district and got books into a majority of the schools here. Um, and then we just kind of tried reaching out to people outside of that. And then we hope to have like an influence on social media. We have an Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So a lot of times people will find us there. And then like the way you found us was through our website. So hope like our website around reaches out to many people too. Yeah. Your website's really cool. Um, so, and then conversely, I mean, what were some of the challenges that you faced in getting this off the ground, if any? I mean, if it was all easy, that's wonderful too. One of the first challenges we faced was in regards to all like the legal work and the paper paperwork um, for creating a nonprofit because we obviously don't have much experience with that. But one of our mom's friends helped a lot. And um, once we got the hang of it, we kind of smooth sailing from there. Um, another thing is time management with with all of our school schools and clubs and homework, it's kind of difficult to balance everything, but mm -hmm. we have figured it out and we always make time for our nonprofit because it's definitely a priority for us. Yeah, and something I want to add that wasn't like a challenge for us, but was a challenge that people thought we would have. Mm -hmm. Like they thought that Muslim women was too narrow of a topic and that we wouldn't find books with female Muslim uh, main characters. Uh, but uh, so we've done research and like found these books online. So we have a list on our website and we have like over 200, almost 300 books now. And we just keep adding to it. They're out there. There are so many out there and people didn't think that we would be able to do this, but it's really surprising how many there actually are. Yeah, there's so many. I, I went through the list and I was, it was just amazing how many there were for so many different age groups as well. Mm -hmm. um, and giving these like culturally relevant role models to young Muslim girls. Mm -hmm. So I think it's amazing that not only did you, I mean, it just shows the kind of misperception and assuming that they're just not out there because people don't know about them. So, yeah. yeah. And speaking to what you said, Zena, um, about time mm -hmm. management, I guess this to both of you, what would your recommendation be for young activists who, whether it's running your own nonprofit or becoming really active in a club or engaging in civic service, like how do you suggest or give advice to people on their time management skills? Something that's really helped us is having two of us. So if I'm really busy, Mina has my back and she can take over and vice versa. So if you're a young activist looking to get into, um, you know, activism work, having a partner or two to help you out, that was a huge huge help for us yeah and definitely like don't take on too much like we have so much and sometimes we don't want to like burn out or be too or are too stressed because of like homework and stuff so when we do have like too many things we'll take a short break from the nonprofit. you know just like for for a few days or something to kind of get ourselves back on track so just definitely don't stress yourself out if it's something that you love you will find the time and it'll like work out Definitely. Self-care is, I think, super important. Um, and you can be dedicated to your cause, but also make sure you're meeting your own needs. Um, yeah. And I wanted to ask about the, you mentioned like people in your community who you turn to for help, like your friend's mom. Um, but in general, how was the like response from your community, whether that's like um, the local Muslim community or like your greater community at large, your school community, like how did they play a role in um, helping support you in this mission and what input did they have, et cetera? Uh, yeah, our community has been overwhelmingly positive with the support, especially like the people who are working in schools, so, like the administrator and staff and the PTA and everything. They've been really supportive and um, 
something I want to talk about was like the librarians of the libraries here. Mm -hmm. A lot of them have been trying to like activate their libraries. So when we came along and like told them about our mission, they were just super supportive. And a lot of them have made like sections for our books, like specifically so that readers can find them more easily. And it's just really nice seeing the support from people like that. Zena, were you going to say something? Oh yeah, I was just gonna elaborate on, Mina mentioned the PTA. So one of the first things that we did as a nonprofit was we went to our parent-teacher association and we asked them if we could partnership partner with them and um, have them donate a portion of their budget to um, buying books with female Muslim main characters and then allocating them to the schools. And we got over 200 books into the Rochester Community School District and that was kind of our kickoff. And it was so successful and everyone was so supportive. That's kind of why we decided to continue our nonprofit. Yeah, and being met with overwhelming support like right off the bat, I'm sure made you guys feel really good about the mission you guys were trying to accomplish. And I think that sometimes by nature of just like it's easy to feel isolated, especially at a time like right now with the pandemic and um, social distancing. And I think it's important to remind people that like you can reach out to your community for support and maybe they will help you. Um, you will receive overwhelming support for an idea that maybe you thought wouldn't be supported. So I think that's great. Um, oh yeah, you guys have been covered like so much in the press. Like I looked at your press page and I was like, that's so impressive. Um, so how is that kind of I mean, was that gratifying to you too? Um, but also like what impact did that coverage have on the reach of your organization? Yeah, that was, um, the press was super helpful. A lot of people um, saw our articles and then reached out to us looking for donations. Um, and it was a great way for people to learn about our message and also um, to receive donations on their end. Right, yeah, I mean, it was like Amy Poehler's Smart Girls, the Malala Fund, NPR, Michigan Radio, it's just yeah. the, the list goes on, yeah. And I noticed that you guys have kind of an international breadth as far as like right now, um, all over the country and all over the world. Did the media like coverage um, play a role in expanding your guys's reach? Uh, yeah, the coverage has definitely helped with that. Uh, we've actually been interviewed by some like news journals and stuff, um, I think in England and in other countries around the world. So that's cool because we've been able to reach out to other countries through things like that. Mm -hmm. Just like really cool being able to impact like not just our local community, but also uh, countries around the world. Awesome. Um, I was going to next ask about I was talking to Mina before about this, about like your coalition building with other organizations such as like Diversify Our Narrative um, and a couple others listed on your website. So how has kind of community building played a role in like your mission as an organization? How has it um, expanded your reach and what do you hope to accomplish in that like coalition building? Yeah, something that's been really helpful from that is just learning from other organizers and activists. We're still kind of new to this, but being able to talk to like the people that run Diversify Our Narrative, it gave us a new perspective on the stuff that we're doing and they were able to give us advice and help. And just having that ability to like network with other people with similar goals is really, really helpful. Mm -hmm. And what kind of like advice or support did they give you? Because I know um, Diversify Our Narrative was founded this year and they've had such like an explosion of support over the past couple of months. So just, it's amazing that their movement has been so um, quick to build. So how was collaborating with them helpful to you guys? Yeah, something that we really liked about 
um, their organization was their social media and how they utilize social media to gain support. And it's something that we've been working on. Mm -hmm. Um, But talking to them, they were able to give us advice on how we can better do that. That was really nice. Yeah, I love their graphics. I share them sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is a good question. Uh, How have you guys maintained your motivation as activists? Obviously, you've received like a lot of good support. But like you said, sometimes with everything going on and being busy and being overwhelmed, like what keeps you going and keeps you motivated and committed to the mission? Um, Definitely just like seeing the impact of what we're doing keeps us motivated. Sometimes when we donate to libraries, we get to like see some of the students there. We'll meet with some of the kids and like d- donate the books there. So just seeing like these students with, or in these children with the books and some of them are like Muslim and they'll say, I'm Muslim. And they will be so excited, like flipping through the pages, really excited to see these characters. That is definitely what keeps me and I'm sure also Zina going yeah. through this organization. Even when we're busy, just thinking about the end product and like what we're impacting and we're impacting like other people's lives hopefully so that they don't have to experience what we've experienced um really keeps us going yeah what have um if you have any specific memories or interactions with kids um what has the impact been as they've told you um like what is the impact of a culturally relevant role model or main character for them and how is it how have they communicated that One of the stories that really stuck with me was when we donated to, um, it was a school library in the Rochester Community Schools, and the librarian had told us that one of her Pakistani students had been looking for a book with a female Pakistani character, and the librarian just couldn't find one, but we were able to donate um, a children's book that was about um, her age range to that girl, and she got to read it, and she was so excited about it, and that that was really like one of the best moments. Yeah, making a big difference and how people feel in school, especially and with regard to their assignments, just like you guys when you're in fourth grade, I think something that I'm really passionate about in terms of like ethnic studies and or promoting just like more um, representative literature is it creates a more engaging learning environment for students in general, where they feel more connected to their learning process and more committed to the idea of like their education because it's relevant to their life and the materials are um representing things that they care about and that they can relate to. So I think that the fact that you guys are able to give that to people is really crucial. So congratulations. Thank you. you. Yeah. Um, This brings me to some questions about the impact of this kind of work on less uh, pleasant aspects of our society in terms of Mm -hmm. xenophobia and Islamophobia um, and just how, whether it's like education materials, especially highlighting Islamic uh, Muslim women, uh, challenge or combat Islamophobia in American culture and your guys's view? Oh uh, yeah, I think I kind of touched on this before, but just giving them like a perspective different than what like people are used to is really important. Even like most of the books on our list aren't really about religion. They just have like a, a strong female Muslim character. Like it, it could be a fantasy book or just like a young adult romance novel, you know, but just seeing like a female Muslim character in a book that's just like a normal book um, can create a lot of impact. I told one of my friends, like I recommended her to read The Lines We Cross. And after she read it, she came up to me and she was just talking about how amazing it was to like see a different culture and especially one that was like so similar to mine. And she just kept on going on about how it was so cool to see like someone else's perspective and someone else's way of living. And I think just 
creating more impact like that is really important in combating Islamophobia. Definitely. I, that reminds me of the first time that I read a book with a, a female Muslim protagonist, which was in high school. It was a graphic novel. Um, I'm forgetting the title right now, but I'm going to look it up. Oh, um, Persepolis. It's on our list. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I figured I just wasn't sure. Um, but yeah, I, that was the first book I had ever read with a female Muslim lead character or just really representing anything relating to Muslim culture, um, the Middle East, and <clears throat> especially the fact that it was reflecting kind of the events of the 1980s in Iran and kind of cultural conflict. And I remember having the same epiphany of epiphany of just feeling like I was missing out beforehand of not having access to these narratives um, throughout my whole education. And I was like, why didn't I get to sooner? Uh, these are such interesting stories. So um, yeah, I, I really do think that the ability of diversified curriculum extends beyond those who it like, you know, represents it. It's, it's valuable for everybody. So, yeah. So we already talked about kind of the impact that your organization has had. Is there any like more long-term impacts in the future that you would hope to um, tackle? Um, one of the things that we've been um, looking to do is recruiting younger Muslim girls to carry on our project when we go into college and then later in life. And we'd also like to spread this nonprofit to other groups of people, um, like uh, finding books with Native American main characters, um, Jewish main characters, and just spreading the impact to other marginalized groups that are underrepresented in media so that everyone can have a voice. That sounds great. And that's really cool. And I'm super glad to hear that. Um, and then my next question would be about future expansion for your org. So you've discussed the idea of recruiting younger girls and um, possibly expanding the reach of your curriculum to include more marginalized or minority communities. So is there any other future plans um, that you would like to discuss? Uh, Zina and I have written a book. It is a biography book. It's a children's biography book um, about 50 in influential Muslim women throughout history. So this is kind of touching back on uh, fourth grade when we couldn't find these biography books about Muslim women. So yeah, we are hoping to get that published soon and hopefully that will have a, a bigger impact and provide Muslim girls and also non-Muslim people uh, these stories of these incredible Muslim women. And what point are you at in your um, process and how has the process of like getting started on this project been for you? Um, I think it's been like three years now since we started drafting the book. And so we have an agent and we actually got an offer from a publisher. So we are just working on that. We haven't started like that yet, but we are hoping to soon. That's so exciting. Congratulations. Thank oh my you. gosh. That's awesome. Three years. Wow. Yeah. Um, and reflecting upon this whole mission and what you guys have been working on, as well as that initial story of what catalyzed this work, how has that been for you guys as people, like beyond like the impact you hope it to have, just like, how has that helped you reflect upon this whole journey that you've both taken? Okay, so um, Zan and I began this work, I guess, when we were kind of younger. So, right, I said it was like March, 2018. And I think just like part of the impact it's had on me personally is just like showing how much like a person can do, I guess, if they really love the work that they're uh, doing and everything that they're putting into it. Uh, like, I didn't think I would be starting a nonprofit 
at like this age, you know, like if you told me when I was in fourth grade that I start this nonprofit, I didn't think I would have. Um, so just like showing, I guess, that we can do these things and that young people can do can do stuff like this, um, start organizations and make an impact. I guess that's had the biggest um, positive growth on me. Yeah. Sorry, I was just kind of thinking of like how to articulate it, but um, like similar to Mina, I did not think that I could make any sort of difference that was this significant and impact like actual real people. You know, I thought that a teenager's job was just to go to school, do their homework, you know, participate in clubs, but we can do so much more than that. The possibilities are endless and we can impact so many people. And that was kind of what hit me really hard. Yeah. Where do you think that stereotype or, or maybe commonly held belief of like, oh, I'm too young for this. I can't do that. I, I have to wait till I'm like at least this age. Like, where do you think those pressures came from in your lives? And um, what pushed you to just be like, that's not true? Um, our mom's kind of been like our biggest supporter. Mm. I think that a lot of the times in activism, you just don't see young people. Like it's just not, we're, our voices aren't amplified as much as older um, generations are. But our mom kind of, uh, showed us that we can do anything we want and she pushed us really hard and we're so grateful for that shout out to mom <laughs> moms are the best did you have anything you wanted to say mina um yeah i was just kind of going to add on uh like you said uh before when we were talking about how many like youth group groups and organizations like this there are like there are a lot um but i mean we just didn't haven't heard of a lot of them and their voices haven't been amplified so i guess just not seeing other people doing work like this uh, just kind of reinforced the idea that we wouldn't be able to. Yeah, I feel like in regards to education, um, just because we're talking about like curriculum and books in school and um, youth activists, I would think a lot about how the education system is or isn't grooming people to be like the next generation of leaders. Like, do you see in your experience in the school system as of right now, do you feel like you're being given the tools or the motivation or encouragement or support, what have you, to pursue this kind of work and make differences in your communities? And if not, what would you want more of? I think that schools are really busy teaching students how to, you know, do math, science, language arts, and all that kind of stuff. And they don't focus enough on community impact. But I, uh, there are a lot of clubs um, that are associated with the schools that kind of do emphasize that, like NHS. We have something called Key Club. And I think that promoting clubs like that, where students are able to actually make a difference, I think the school should definitely focus on that because um, students should be exposed to that kind of work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I used to be part of Key Club, Go Key Club. <laughs> <laughs> um, the final sort of send is, what is your message to other young individuals out there who might be facing similar circumstances of underrepresentation, whether it's in a textbook, a novel, a movie, or any sort of media? Like, what would your advice to them be in pursuing justice and representation? Okay, uh, yeah, so underrepresentation is a big problem everywhere, right? Um, and not a lot of people kind of know how to, I mean, we didn't know how to go about and like, make an organization and make an impact, but there are always ways that you can do it, whether it's like creating a, a club or a group at your school or making a podcast, like what you're doing. Um, there is always a way to do it. And I guess a message that I would like people to know is that you're never too young or too anything to be able to make an impact. Like we are told, oh, you're too young to do this, but I mean, you're not. If it's something you can do, uh, you can always find a way to create an impact and yes. 
Yeah, and activism work can sometimes seem really, really scary, but there are always people you can reach out to that are willing to help. So I think that having the courage to reach out to a parent, a friend, a teacher, um, just to be able to make that impact. I think that all students and um, youth activists should feel comfortable doing that. I totally agree. And I think those are good values to send off to our youth. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but thank you so much, guys. Awesome. It was great talking to you. Thank you so much. Thanks again to Mina and Zena for joining me today and giving me some insight into their organization, Girls of the Crescent. If you want to find out more about the org and their bookshare network, you can get more information at girlsofthecrescent.org or check them out on Instagram at girlsofthecrescent. My final send-off for today, while not directly related to diversity in literature, is still extremely important in terms of making sure your voice is heard. Along with the necessity of narrative representation, I want to urge everyone to make sure they are represented in this upcoming election. Before now, you may have not wanted to be civically engaged or thought that your vote didn't matter, but it does. This election will decide the course of our nation for the next four years, and you should be a part of that decision. So please, whether you're voting by mail, going to a drop box, or voting in person, Please get informed about who and what is on your ballot and exercise your right to vote this November. Thank you, and I'll be back next week. Bye for now. Mina and Zena are sisters and high school students from Michigan who founded a nonprofit organization called Girls of the Crescent, which works to collect books with female Muslim main characters before donating them to schools and libraries in order to increase diversity and representation in literature that students have access to. We talk about where the inspiration for their organization came from, why culturally relevant role models in diverse storytelling and fiction is important, and how minority representation in literature and other forms of media can combat negative stereotypes which lead to Islamophobia and other xenophobic rhetorics. So, here are Mina and Zina, and I hope you enjoy our conversation.